Hello and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information services provider for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools and data that help power their emerging markets business strategies. My name is Zeynep Kösere Solo and I am the practice leader for Middle East, North Africa and Turkey at FSG. And I will be moderating today's podcast. Today I'm uh, here in London and we'll be discussing Russia's outlook for 2018 with uh, Mark McNamee, the head of our Euro practice, who actually just uh, returned from Moscow where we held our annual breakfast event uh, with our um, clients in Russia. Mark will be sharing what he learned from his week in Moscow and the outlook for Russia uh, for next year. As a reminder, this report, our um, Russia report and all our content is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. Mark, first of all, I'm actually interested to hear what the mood is on the ground in Moscow with our Russian executives. What did you learn from our clients there? Great. Thanks, Zainab. Uh, so glad to be talking about this here today. Um, so obviously a lot learned from uh, you know being on the ground there, uh, speaking to the clients and particularly in this forum uh, of a breakfast so we could really pull them and, and understand exactly what their moods are, targets and things like that. Um, But in general, the first uh, was the first sort of takeaway was maybe a pickup in sentiment. So compared to last year when we were there, this is when Russia was still, of course, in the heart of its crisis. Uh, the mood was a little bit better. But that said, it wasn't particularly optimistic at the same time. So sentiment is a bit higher, uh, and that's because the underlying fundamentals have improved. It, it's been a long crisis, of course, started in Q4 of 2014. Uh, and now in the first half of 2017, we've started to see Uh, some revival of the economy. Uh, it, it's hit and miss in some sectors, a little bit stronger than others. Consumer demand is, is continues to struggle a bit. Um, but nonetheless, a, a little bit better as, you know, we've seen a little bit higher oil price, more stable oil price. That's helped the ruble be more stable. Inflation levels have come down and moderated uh, drastically since the very high levels of 2015. Uh, business activity is up in general. So uh, a little bit more optimism, but again, not a, a significant pickup in, in mood. Uh, for, for this year and, and for the outlook for 2018 from our corporate's uh, perspective. That said, uh, what is concerning to our clients most definitely is the pressure on corporate for uh, higher performance next year, particularly now that Russia will have been out of the crisis for over a year. Uh, headquarters is trying to get better numbers, of course, from, from Russia, This such a critical piece of the EMEA portfolio. So um, in particular, clients cited Uh, pretty uh, ambitious targets for next year, over 6% revenue growth uh, on average, some over 10% growth, depending upon the company, uh, which, of course, is, is quite high for an economy that will uh, likely only grow by you know, a max of, say, 2%, between 1.5% and 2% next year. So um, there was that issue of revenues, while at the same time, there's pressure on profitability, though when pulled our clients as well, uh, they were clearly less optimistic about Uh, targets for profitability. A lot of them are, are even anticipating a contraction in year-on-year -year terms next year, or maybe just minimal growth of up to 2% to 3% at most compared to 2017. So uh, just to restate, a little bit more optimism. Headquarters is putting more pressure on them, uh, and, and the GMs in, in, in Moscow are feeling it. Mm -hmm. And I guess, so we're looking at a very kind of moderate external environment, but actually a quite increasingly aggressive uh, targets for companies. What are actually our clients doing then to win in this kind of an environment to get to those targets? Right, exactly. So uh, leaving off 
starting where I just left off in terms of that uh, disparity between the revenues and, and profit targets. Um, obviously, the with that type of revenue growth, though that minimal expectation for profits, um, there's there's an issue of rising costs in the market. So uh, as demand isn't picking up quite significantly, clients have to sort of look elsewhere. They can't raise prices so easily on, on price-sensitive customers, uh, not to mention the retail sector consolidation, which is putting additional price pressure on our clients. So they have to find other ways in their in their business uh, to to uh, basically hit those profit targets. So the primary way uh, is is through execution specifically in the channel. So uh, adapting and focusing on those relationships with their local partners, the, the distributors uh, out in the market where they can find efficiencies with them. Um, in general, just partnering more with them, assisting them where possible, where their shortcomings are, uh, in, say in terms of collecting data, collecting uh, customer feedback, demand forecasting. Uh, but also getting more value out of them. So uh, ha- having them assist you in, in your marketing and sales activity, product positioning, uh, also business development, of course, providing incentives to these distributors to help you you know, capture some maybe uh, untapped customers, uh, and, and also more on-the-ground feedback about uh, customer trends and patterns that we see now that we're the, the economy is starting to revive a bit. Maybe there are some niche segments that are outperforming others, and, and you can maybe target those and, and beat out the competition. Mm-hmm. So our clients have a plan, for sure, get more out of their channel. But in the meantime, um, what are their biggest concerns? What is going to uh, potentially disrupt them from um, hitting their targets and especially improving their relationship with their channel and, and everything? Right. Uh, this was maybe uh, one of the most interesting uh, aspects uh, of it. In, in years past, it, of course, had been you know, major macroeconomic issues, the, you know, oil price volatility, the ruble volatility, high inflation. Uh, very weak demand. Now, as those issues have more or less stabilized, uh, actually the the biggest concern comes from the government itself uh, and the regulatory changes, the budgetary policy, taxation policies, which may uh, change after uh, the March presidential elections next year. So it's it's more about those types of issues. In particular, clients cited overwhelmingly as as their biggest concern for the next few years, uh, the localization pressures from the government. these unfortunately are here for the long term and will likely intensify over the next several years. Um, and on the one hand, it, it is quite problematic for clients. The, the government had, seems to continue to sort of continue to move the goalposts uh, and, and be very ambiguous in their demands for localization. And then once companies do localize, then making further demands upon them. Um, so on the one hand, it's, it's, it's somewhat of a, a vague proposal, a little bit difficult to implement. But at the same time, our clients also do clearly recognize that it is an opportunity. And, and when I talk about the clients, I, I'm talking about the local managers on the ground in Russia. Uh, they do see this as an opportunity, see it at advantages of taking in, uh, sorry, see the advantage of a weaker ruble in which then they can, of course, uh, operate, even maybe export some products from Russia into the rest of CIS. Um, but their biggest concern is, as it pertains to localization is getting headquarters uh, sort of on board for this. Uh, as there is a, a, an image problem for Russia in a way because of, of, of course, uh, you know, political disputes, international tensions, uh, the weak market in general. So uh, th- there is a different view of the market if you're a GM in Moscow compared to uh, an executive at, at corporate. Um, and, and then, of course, as, as I mentioned uh, briefly, is potential change in tax policy uh, and regulatory pressures after 
the March presidential elections. In particular, uh, it's very possible there will be an increase in the VAT rate uh, as well as potentially the income tax rate. So that, of course, would would hurt purchasing power in the market and and impact our clients' numbers. Mm -hmm. Let's get back to the political um, issues you've alluded to. Um, How um, are the U.S.-Russian relations going? Um, With all the headlines that we're seeing in the news, you've mentioned that actually executives outside of Russia could be worried. Should they be worried? Mm Uh, of course, they should be worried, but uh, the the 24-hour news stream and, and all this media attention is is probably doing a disservice and uh, excessively tarnishing the image of the Russian market, uh, in particular as it pertains to the business operating environment. So they are indeed quite concerned about this. Um, it's not so much they're concerned about the direct impact of sanctions themselves for most uh, multinationals we're working with, but it's more about the uncertainty all around it. So it's in a way, it's more about the fear of the fear of the unknown, which, of course, from the headquarters perspective back in the UK or in the US or in Western Europe, uh, just simply hurts the image of Russia and therefore hurts the uh, investor appeal to the country. Um, which is unfortunate because there are clear and rising opportunities going forward for the next several years. Nearly all of our clients are sort of have that 100-year view of the market, are, are planning to stay there for the long term. So this continues to sort of delay uh, the required investments in order to win in the market in the coming couple of years. So, uh, so it is unfortunate that these headlines sort of detract from that. Um, but that said, as it pertains specifically to the sanctions, which we had an extensive discussion on at, at the breakfast event with the clients, um, our view is that they will not expand particularly further from where we are today. Uh, importantly, they should not disrupt the outlook for, for businesses uh, investing in the market. Um, and, and in particular, we won't see an expansion of sectoral sanctions. So we may see additional tit-for-tat sanctions, uh, closures of embassy or reduction of diplomatic staff or some sort of small tweaks on the margins, um, but nothing to fundamentally hurt specific sectors of the economy. Uh, Frankly, it's it's not really in either side's interest. Of course, Russia Russia itself can't really afford that. They don't want to continue to to erode their, their just starting to recover economy. And the U.S. also doesn't have too strong of an interest in trying to drive Russia down necessarily. The the most recent sanctions were primarily motivated by Republicans in the U.S. to sort of handcuff Trump and uh, disable him from unilaterally taking off sanctions. Uh, And in addition to that, the U.S. doesn't want to create more distance uh, from the EU in the sort of Western policy towards Russia. So they want to present a a unified, you know, solid uh, sort of force against uh, against Russia when it comes to uh, uh, international relations in, in this realm. Mm-hmm. So um, we don't expect a, a major change in the existing relations between the U.S. and, and Russia. Uh, our executive sentiments are improving a little bit. How, how is the economy itself doing? The, when you look at the macroeconomic fundamentals, give us a quick summary of what it looks like. Yeah, good. So, um, yeah, this is not the Russia of old, of course. So we're not seeing, uh, you know, the the 10% consumer demand, consumer spending growth that we saw in the, in the mid 2000s prior prior to the global financial crisis. So there is clearly a slowdown. All of our clients have come around to this. It's quite clear that this is a new Russia that we're seeing coming out of this crisis going forward. So we're we'll see about one and a half, two percent growth really consistently for about the next five years. Um, Not very strong growth, but of course better than where we have been for the last three years. Um, Importantly, though, this growth should be quite stable and steady and relatively predictable. 
Um, energy prices are not going up. The Russian economy, of course, remains over, overly reliant on uh, energy export revenues. Um, so that sort of presents a natural limit on the potential for the economy. But that said, energy prices should be far less volatile than what we had seen for the last three to four years. So it gives a little bit more stability to, to the economy. Uh, government spending, of course, is being cut as a result of that uh, the downturn in energy revenues. Um, the government has been is clearly focused on uh, sort of consolidating the economy, political consolidation as well, and they've they've clearly made it uh, economic growth uh, a secondary pl- uh, priority to political stability. So in that way, they're not stimulating the economy through government spending that would be too costly, and likewise, they're not instituting the necessary reforms which would be potentially too politically destabilizing. Uh, that would could otherwise help stimulate stronger economic growth. So, um, so we're seeing government spending being cut. We're seeing additional uh, commodity export revenues being pushed, uh, sent back into forex reserves to ensure that sort of political economic stability. Um, but all of that said, there, that presents a limitation on growth. But we still are seeing more consistency. So, from our clients' point of view, this helps for planning significantly. Much more stable ruble very mild inflation, which will con- continue for the next several years, uh, and importantly, uh, uh, an improved lending environment, particularly for, for consumers. So that should pick up next year and then help out consumer demand in particular. Mm-hmm. So um, we are basically seeing not a lot of support from the government side to consumers, but at the same time, you mentioned some stable ruble and inflation. How does it all come together for, for consumers? Right. And, it, and it's, it's good to focus on consumer demand. Consumer, uh, consumer spending of, is the largest contributor to GDP in the country. Uh, the middle class is quite massive. This is primarily the, the general appeal of the Russian market uh, within the EMEA portfolio. Um, and, and so this is sort of the central story uh, of, of Russia's recovery. Uh, unfortunately, it is lagging. Uh, it is slower. It's sl- only slowly picking up, uh, sort of lagging behind uh, industrial production, and, and in particular, uh, energy and commodity uh, exports, which have been sort of helping drive the economy for the last six to nine months out of its uh, out of its recession. Um, so, what can be said about consumers overall? Where are we yet here, you know, as we enter Q4 of 2017 and looking into 2018, uh, the primary point is that consumers have fundamentally adapted. Uh, they're spending because of the crisis years here. So they do understand it's not, it's two th- it's not 2005, it's not even 2012, and those years aren't going to be returning in the next five years. So they've definitely started to sort of, you know, tighten their wallets a bit. Uh, and, and that, of course, has, has, has limited sentiment. The amount of trading up is, is very limited still to this day. So um, that said, in the last couple of months in particular, we've seen the best signs going forward, and, and which makes me uh, relatively optimistic for consumer demand next year. Uh, but we're still several months off from a, a much sharper uptick. Uh, but some of these improvements uh, have been quite encouraging. So we've seen uh, wages uh, start to rise relatively significantly. Inflation, as I mentioned, is, has been quite mild now for really about the last year. Uh, consumer credit levels really in the last three months has picked up quite dramatically. Uh, and so overall, this helped improve sentiment then, of course. Um, and, and in particular, we're seeing uh, the propensity to save uh, sort of receding compared to the propensity to consume. So now with that extra 100 rubles that a Russian has, they're actually more willing to spend that uh, than save it, which it was the opposite story about a year ago. Um, and so as a result, because of all those underlying drivers and dynamics, we actually are seeing retail sales 
uh, pretty consistently for the last three to four months uh, grow in year-on-year terms, which is which was quite nice considering the deep uh, declines in, in consumer demand for the last really three years straight. So uh, an uptick in retail sales is very encouraging, and in particular what they're buying. So we're seeing more purchases of durables, more more new car sales, televisions, computer monitors, uh, technological products that, that are a little bit more expensive. Um, so all of that put together, it's a good sign for consumer demand next year, of course. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, I guess that is likely to support growth overall uh, as well as we look at next year. Um, very important market in the EMEA portfolio. What do you advise uh, firms for uh, Russia um, and any key um, kind of actions uh, to take, especially as um, they look to uh, capture some of the opportunities from a slow growth environment? Sure. So, right, as you mentioned, Russia is still clearly very important in, in both global and then more specifically EMEA portfolios naturally. Um, there is a lot of pressure to win from headquarters, uh, and, and this, of course, is occurring uh, despite a, a much stronger uh, pickup in growth next year. So even though there's still only a mild pickup in demand, uh, you still have a lot of rise. You know, no one has left. So you still have very high competition in the market. Uh, you have pretty strong price pressure. Meanwhile, corporate, as I mentioned, is in, in general, from what our clients are reporting, uh, putting pretty significant pressure with with plans for ambitious targets. So all of that said, it puts you know the local GMs in, in a fairly tough spot uh, for, for most of our clients. So first and foremost, and, and this is what I heard consistently uh, from our clients, was uh, the need to make the case to corporate, to better align the strategies, to, uh, to understand in particular where, how they see localization demands and how they plan to respond to that, particularly as the competition responds to that and maybe can take advantage of the weaker ruble, local manufacturing, uh, which then, of course, will make them more competitive in the market. So aligning headquarters, um, addressing that image issue that Russia has, as I mentioned a few times in this podcast, and in particular, setting up a long-term strategy. Now that we've seen the market stabilize, the crisis is over. Uh, we're going to see continued growth going forward. We're going to see much more predictability in the market. Uh, our clients should be more confident and, and assured in making long-term strategic decisions. But that, of course, entails getting headquarters on board and and aligned with the view. So uh, working closely with headquarters and uh, setting up long-term plans to get ahead of the competition is uh, is what I was hearing on the ground there. Well, thank you very much, Mark. This was uh, very interesting and insightful. As a reminder to our clients, you can speak with Mark or any of the FSG analysts by simply reaching out to your client relationship director. Um, You can also access FSG's reports on Russia uh, on our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes our podcast. And until next time, we wish you great ad performance in your emerging markets.